Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Colossians chapter 1, Complete in Christ will be the title of our message this evening. And we're going to look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And they say, For this cause, we also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul was very developed in his prayer life and Paul could have prayed many 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 different things and for many different things in these people's lives. Here's a local church he established. He's concerned about their spiritual growth, development, and well-being. And so what does he pray for? He doesn't say, Father, bless them. Give them favor. Give them deliverance. Give them healing. Protect them. Notice the number one thing he says. I pray for you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then he ends those two verses by saying, an increase in the knowledge of God. And then the goal, the reason why. Why do you want that, Paul? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and in continuing to increase in the knowledge of God. So what is he saying to these people? There's nothing more important than having an understanding of our redemption that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord embracing it and walking in the light of it so that all that Jesus shed his precious blood for becomes a reality to us and then is manifested through us to other people God wants us to embrace truth why so that we can walk in the light of it so that we can manifest it we've got this wonderful package deal Christ in us the hope of glory and we're not to keep it to ourselves we're to bring it forth for other people to see that's why he said you're to shine as lights in this world are you a shining light for Jesus we all should be right well he wants us to live productive Christian lives and he wants us to bear fruit unto righteousness if you recall what Jesus taught in John 15 Every branch in him that bears fruit, he'll prune it to bring forth more fruit. Don't you want to be a fruit bearer? But you don't want to be stagnant. You want to continue to bear fruit and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. So our life should be one of continuous growth and development in the things of God. Look at the uh, next few verses of chapter 2. Chapter 2, Colossians, verses 6 through 8. This is the King James, the last two verses, 9 and 10. I'm going to use the Amplified. But look at these verses here in Colossians chapter 2. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now notice, so walk ye in him. Notice how he repeats walk, that you should walk as he walked. Walk ye in him. 
How? Rooted and built up in him. Not in traditions, not in laws, not in philosophies or theology, but in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, warning, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, Paul is saying to walk in him the same way we received him. How do we receive him? By faith. We believed and we received Christ as our Savior and Lord. What a walk in the faith, by faith, in his accomplishments, in his achievements. And we're not supposed to be exposing our lives to philosophies, rudiments of the world, or these other things that he pointed out. Look at the next two verses before we continue on here. And this is from the Amplified. For in him the whole fullness of deity, that is the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him. You ready for this? And made full, and having come to fullness of life, in Christ you too are filled with the Godhead. Did you hear that? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Let that sink into our ears. We have no problem believing that Jesus is the head of of all principality and power, and that the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. None of us do. But what about when it comes to us? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. We receive Christ by faith. We walk by faith in who we are in Christ. We're not defined by who we are in ourselves. Our lives are defined by who we are in Christ. You know, the biggest battle that we all have is with self. Walking by faith means I see who I am in Christ, and I stand against who I am in the flesh. There's a warfare, Paul said, between the spirit and the flesh. They war against each other. So it's up to us to recognize if we walk in the spirit, which is by faith, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We won't allow it to dominate our lives. But who we are in Christ will dominate our lives. So, every single one of us is to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Not in philosophy. We're not to be philosophical people. Not in any of these things he mentioned here. For example, when it comes to traditions... He's talking about not just the traditions of the Jews, but the traditions of the Gentiles. We're not to walk in these vain deceits. Vain deceit means it's empty without a foundation. Not let those things control our lives. He goes on to say the rudiments of this world, the elements of this world, they're not to dominate who we are. I want you to see John Gill's 
commentary on that subject before we look at Galatians chapter 4. In Christ are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And therefore all such vain and deceitful philosophy, human traditions, and worldly elements are to be rejected. Christ is the standard of doctrine and worship. He only is to be heard and attended to. And whatever is contrary is to be guarded against. That being said, look at Galatians chapter 4. This is from the expanded Bible. I really like the way it said it. In the past you did not know God. You were slaves to gods that were not real. But now you know the true God. Really, it is God who knows you. So why do or how can you turn back to those weak and useless, bankrupt, poor rules for spirit or spiritual forces or elementary principles or powers you followed before? Do you want to be slaves to those things again? You still follow teachings about are observing or keeping special days, months, seasons, and years, probably Jewish Sabbaths and festivals, which Paul's opponents claim must be observed to be saved. I'm afraid for you that my work for you has been wasted. Some pretty strong words by the Apostle Paul. Look, what he's trying to point out, we're in Christ. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In us, praise God, we have the Godhead living as well. Our focus and our attention should be on the God who is in us, who's able to do for us exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But we're not in it for all the things he can do for us. We're in it because we love him. We're in it because we want to know him and walk with him and honor him and lay down our lives in surrender to him that we could live lives that are pleasing to him. Every single one of us is a vessel of honor and is to be used for the master to carry out his purpose upon the earth. And every one of us has a purpose designed by the hand of God for us to fulfill. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. In Christ, if you were to do a study on the cross in the tabernacle, and there's a little handout out there in the, the narthex area of our church, you can pick one up. We did a study some time ago called Christ, uh, the cross in the tabernacle, rather. And when you see the layout of the tabernacle, it's laid out in such a way that it forms a cross. And every article, everything that is in that tabernacle in the form of a cross all points to Christ fulfilling everything so anything and everything that was let's say a type of shadow from the old testament that pointed to Christ he's the door he's the sacrificial lamb he's everything he's the high priest etc it's all there in other words everything that is in that temple was laid out in such a way as to point us to Jesus Christ and when he came he came as the fulfillment of all that and so he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily all the glory and all the power it's all in him and again that's easy for us to say about him but look at how God looks at us and you too have within you God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Ghost
you too are filled with this fullness of God in him. Not in ourselves, but in him. This is why he wants us to be students of the word of God. Look, it's not just about getting into heaven. It's about heaven getting into us. Look in John chapter 17 and verse 3. That scripture points to us to what eternal life is all about. And this is life eternal. What is it about, Lord? That you might, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What's eternal life all about? It's not just getting born again and knowing that we have a place in heaven. It's really about knowing God intimately and personally. It's entering into a depth of knowledge that we truly understand who he is. We understand his heart. And we walk with him like Adam did in the beginning in the cool of the day. That we have a revelation of his heart. A revelation of his love. A revelation of his compassion. His mercy. His grace. An understanding of redemption. So in other words, Paul also said my earnest heartfelt desire is that I would know him personally I would know him intimately and I can understand my relationship to him in Christ why so I can live it out being born again is more than just saying I'm going to make heaven someday secondly it's about transformation God wants transformed lives he wants us all to be changed from glory to glory. He doesn't want to save us and leave us the way we are. He wants to give us a new way of living. He wants to give us a new motivation. He wants to give us a new agenda. A new way of speaking. A new way of thinking. A new way of acting. See, it's easy just to say, I'm born again. I'm going to make heaven. I'm thankful to God for that. And just leave it at that. But God wants transformed lives. He wants us to be so changed from within that we conform to the very image of his son, Jesus. In the book of Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, the apostle Paul tells us how this transformation has to take place. Two things. Number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your neighbor's body You present your husband's body. You present your fellow Christian's body. You present your dog's body. Your puppy's body. Whose body? Whose body? That you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable or spiritual service in other words when we get up in the morning this body lord belongs to you it's a living sacrifice set apart dedicated to your indwelling presence so that you can live your life in me and through me number two and be not conformed to this world but transformed how by the renewing of your mind 
that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The twofold thing. We've been saved. We've been born again. The Spirit has the life and nature of God in it. And the Shekinah glory lives on the inside of us as Spirit-filled individuals. But the body has to be dealt with and the soul has got to be dealt with. Transformation is to take place in all of our lives. And that transformation can only take place when we make a decision to say that my life, that I live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We can echo the sentiments of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I. Oh, not I. In other words, when you get up in the morning, flesh, you're not living. Sorry, I'm not giving place to you. Oh, you feel oppressed this morning? I'm not giving place to you. I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, this body houses the living God. This body is a tool in the hand of God. This body is where the fullness of the Godhead dwells. Spirit, soul, and in my, my spirit, I have Father, Son, Holy Ghost living in me. It's for you use, Father. It's not for my use. You know why? When we speak like that, when we say that, when we give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, you know, you can't be hurt from, by someone throughout the course of a day. You can't. Someone tries to hurt you with words and say bad things about you. Sorry. I don't receive any of that. Because you know why? Christ lives in me. And when Christ was reviled, what did he do? He reviled not. When he was uh, mistreated, he opened not his mouth. Right? And we act the same way. We don't accept, we don't receive guilt, condemnation, hurt, or any of that. Why? Because this body is impervious to it because Christ lives in me. And you see, Christ is love. And I am training my body to walk in love. The renewing of our mind produces transformation. I got to change the way I think. Why? Because the way I think outside of Christ is not the right way to think. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You know, we've been trained incorrectly. Look at the next one. Oh, well, look at these others, this other verse here. For, this is one of the most challenging verses in all the Bible. It, at least it is to me. And I pray it is to you. 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abides in him ought himself so to walk even as he walked. Whew. How can you do that? By faith. It's the only way you can do it. That doesn't mean you're perfect in the flesh. That doesn't, doesn't mean you can act per in the flesh at all. What it means is, I know Christ is in me. And at every given opportunity, I'm going to let him live through me. And if I miss the mark along the way, I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask God to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I'm going to just continue walking on who I am in him. So when the temptation comes for me to be hurt because someone said something and they hurt my feel bads. You're going to tell your feel bads too late. Sorry. You're dedicated to God. You're surrendered to God. Amen. I don't receive it. When the enemy comes along and says, you're guilty of this, you're guilty of that, there's guilt, condemnation, sin consciousness, and all those things, inferiority, and, and, and all that. No, this body's dedicated to the living God. I'm not buying any of that. Too late for that, because you see, in me, I have Christ, the hope of glory. In me, I have the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's living on the inside of me. I'm going to let him live, and my body be crucified. When Paul talked about the warfare between the flesh and the spirit, what did he say? Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the lust thereof. 
you're crucified. How do you crucify your flesh? Not literally on a cross like Jesus died, but we crucify our flesh with the words that come from our heart. And we start saying, that's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm going to look like it. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to talk like it. That's who I am because that's who he made me. Remember Ephesians 2.10 that says you are his masterpiece, his workmanship. Start calling yourself his workmanship because that's who he made you. That's who you really are. We're not going to let the world define who we are. We're going to let the word define who we are. Look in the, the next one. It's about manifesting his image. Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at this. It's about manifesting or bringing forth his image and his glory through our lives as we live in the earth. Look at what it says. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in what? How was it renewed? In knowledge. Notice, ye shall know the truth. Knowledge of the truth. That's what Paul's prayer was, wasn't it? To be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay, so which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness God made us in his image and likeness in the very beginning God crowned man with glory and honor from the very beginning well when Adam fell he lost all that he lost the image of God he lost his crown of glory. He fell victim to fear and shame and he cowered himself away from God because of the guilt and the condemnation that rested in his soul. He was aware of the fact that he was separated from God and as a result he was ashamed. And think about that. We've been dealing with that ever since the fall of man. In the beginning when God made man he didn't make a mistake. When he made man in his image and in his likeness it was for a reason. He wanted man to bring forth his glory and honor into the earth. He wanted his man to rule with authority over all the earth. He wanted his man to keep darkness out because he knew it existed, but he wanted him to keep it out of the kingdom that he established for his man. But he failed to do so. Well, beloved, being born again is about becoming what he created us to be. You know, Jesus, once again, came not just so that we can get to heaven, but so that we could become what God intended for us to be in Adam from the beginning. When Adam ate the fruit, he forfeited everything that God did in him. All that he was created for died. That was the end. And now he is subject to Death, he is subject to the enemy of God, Satan. He is now taken upon the nature of the enemy himself and he is now in the school of teachers of darkness. And we've been taught the wrong way. 
ever since. As a matter of fact, when man fell, he lost the knowledge of God. His spirit was separated from God. His soul was darkened so that he lost the knowledge of God. His flesh became mortal and subject to death, something that he never knew about. Can you imagine falling from that high place where there's no sin, no sickness, no disease, no sorrow, no adversity whatsoever, no storms of life, a place of absolute perfection, walking with God in holiness and righteousness because that's how he was created. But then the moment he partook of the forbidden fruit, everything he was created for died. His purpose for living all changed. And now he's in a different school of thought. Jesus came and died to restore the image of God in man. And when he gave his life on Calvary, we talk about this, we sing about it. Do we understand it though? He became what we were. He took upon himself the sin, the sorrow, the shame, everything connected to the kingdom of darkness. He took upon himself. He bore the image of our fallen state for us. Can you even think about it? He took it upon himself. This isn't just some religious act. This is the son of God becoming what we were. Separating himself from the father when he cried out, why have you forsaken me? Taking sin upon himself. The decision that Adam made to rebel against God. He took upon himself anything and everything that separates us from God. Why? Because of his love for us. Look, it's more than just a religious act. We're talking about God himself entering into the body of a woman to undo what the first Adam did. Undo it. That's serious business, wouldn't you say? I believe so. So why? So that we can bear the image of the living God. As a matter of fact, Romans 8.29 tells us he wants us to be transformed or changed into the very image of his son. And when a person is born again, there is a change that takes place within. You have a new image. I have a new image. You are not what the world says you are. You are what the word says you are. Do you think that God thought a lot about us to do what he did to once again reestablish us in his image and likeness? You know, oftentimes what we hear today in society, this is how God made me. I'm this way because this is how God made me. Well, let's follow that line of thinking all the way through. If this person can say, this is how he made me, so I'm an adulterer. This is how he made me, so I'm a fornicator. This is how he made me, so I'm a transgender person. This is how he made me so I'm a thief. This is how he made me so I'm a murderer. This is how he made me so I'm a liar. If we go down that path, what does it mean? We are who he made us? No, no, no. What I tell people is this. It's not how he made you. It's how we fell. And when we fell, we forfeited the image of God. And we forfeit the image of God, we expose ourselves to the kingdom of darkness. And then the kingdom of darkness, guess what? We went to school. Let me help us. Did you have to teach your two-year-old to say, that's mine? 
or did they do it automatically? My toy. We don't have to teach them how to lie, how to cheat, how to steal. Why? It's in bread. Look at a bit of, of Ephesians chapter 4. Look at these verses. Beginning at verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. How did their mind become vain? Empty. Well, read on. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. That's how. Through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so that ye have heard him. And have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation. The old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put off. Or that you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness. And true holiness. Notice what he's saying here. When we fell, we lost the knowledge of God. And we went to school, we had a teacher. And the teacher was the works of darkness. Satan himself, the liar himself. And he used our emotional feelings to try to dictate to us who we are. Well, guess what? Our feelings don't decide who we are. Our emotions don't decide who we are. Adversity doesn't decide who we are. Circumstances don't determine who we are. Who we are is decided by Christ. And when he came into our hearts, he gave us a new heart, a new life, a new spirit. On the inside of us, we now have branded on our hearts the image of the living God once again. Which is why our minds need to be renewed and we need to be retaught. Once again, if someone offends you and you get hurt by it, there's more room for Jesus in you. Why? Because you shouldn't take offense. You know, he wants us to live a carefree, worry-free life, an anxious, anxiety-free life. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Well, guess what? If he did that for me, I can certainly surrender my life to him and live for him. So if you're going to hurt me, guess what? What did the disciples do when they were persecuted for righteousness' sake? They went their way rejoicing and thanking God that they could suffer shame for his name's sake. They had a revelation of what it means to be in Christ. So think about it. What would our school of thought be? They just, did you hear what they said to me? They're railing on me. They're mocking me. They're laughing at me. They're jeering at me. They're making fun of me because I said that I love Jesus. Well, you should be rejoicing and being glad because great is your reward when you rejoice that you've been persecuted for righteousness sake. He said, leap for joy and be glad because you see, you're training your flesh not to respond to that. The big acid test is when you drive your car and someone pulls out in front of you. How do you respond to that? Bless your heart. Go ahead, bless your heart. The road's yours. There's a warfare that's taking place. This is what the true walk of faith is all about. 
It's the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit warring against the flesh. And trust me, the enemy will set up all kinds of situations, trust me, to get you to a place where you respond to your flesh and not to the spirit or the life of God that's on the inside. See, growing up in the Christ is growing up in all things. In him involves love. Look at the next one, Ephesians 4.15. It's about growing in God's love. You and I were never created to be selfish, self-centered, self-willed, self-serving individuals. Every single one of us was created in the image of God. And his image is a beautiful image of love. Because God is love and he pours himself out. And all of creation is a product of his love. It's been birthed by love. Think about it. God who is love created a universe to love well, first of all, the universe up there loves the earth. The earth loves the man. Everything in the earth is for man and for his good. And he put us on here to love him back. And we didn't close the circle of love because we made a decision not to love him by rebelling in Adam. But everything is love. And think about the sun, the moon, and the stars all love the earth. The earth is every resource loves the man. And the man has put his love back on God and he failed to do so in the first Adam. But guess what? God so loved the world that he sent his son back to the earth. He became a man for us. Hypostatic union. So that you and I could have the image of God once again stamped upon our spirits. And we can walk in the love of God once again. So in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Being born again is having the life and nature of God in us. And that nature is love. For God is love. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Which is the head even Christ. Notice the way to grow up in Christ is to speak the truth in love. Not with arrogance. Not with pride. But speak the truth in love. We know who we are in him. As a matter of fact. Love is to be our brand new teacher. Love is, God's love is to teach us how to behave, how to conduct ourselves, how to act. Love endures long. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is never envious. Love doesn't boil over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. It, it's not conceited. It's not arrogant, inflated with pride, and so on. This love never fails, fades out, becomes obsolete, never comes to an end. It's the love of God. Aren't you glad that he loved you, that he didn't give up on you or me? Praise God, he loved us in Christ unto death who laid down his life for us so that we can have once again the image of God stamped upon our spirits. So we are in the image of God. The love of God is on the inside of us, but we don't know about it. So we have to educate ourselves in the word of God so we know how to live, conduct ourselves in love. So we grow up in him in all things by speaking the truth in love. And trust me, you're going to have some appointment set up by the enemy to get you out of love if we want our faith to work faith works by love so it's important for us to recognize our need to manifest love to walk in love to educate ourselves about the love of God so we can flow with it and walk it as a matter of fact you ready for this verse in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 it tells us that you and I when we come together when we assemble ourselves together remember it says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the matter of such is and let us Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Do you realize when we come together, it says in public assembly, we're supposed to be provoking each other to love and good works. And you ready for this? Love is not just like you love your wife, like you love your children. First of all, it's being loved by God. 
It's letting him love us and knowing how much he loves us that he laid down his life for us and then loving one another the same way he loved us. And if we truly practice that kind of love, no one could hurt you. It would just roll off you like water off a duck's back. They'll try to. They'll try to put you down, try to see all kinds of things about you and your convictions, your walk of faith and everything. But you know what? When you see that person who's lost and they're ridiculing you and mocking you, you'll have the same heartbeat of Jesus. You'll say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They have no revelation of who they are. They don't realize that God has a great plan for their lives. They don't even know the depth of your love for them and for all humanity. God wants us to be transformed so that we can be Christians, Christians, are you getting that? Christians, Christians. In other words, we carry Christ around. You are the light in the world of darkness. And when they see you, they see Christ. They see the light of his countenance flowing through you. When you're at work and they look at you and they see you being different than everybody else in that plant, they'll want to know what's different about you. And there's your opportunity to tell them, Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. Christ manifesting himself in me and through me to touch the hearts and lives of people everywhere we go. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, God wants us to live at peace with all men. God wants us to not be in strife with anyone. It gives place to the enemy. If we want our faith to work, then we can't be taken captive by the devil at his will because we, we live in strife. In other words, we're not supposed to be on our way to church and we're screaming and arguing at each other. And I mean, just, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And you get to church, hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. You get the point? Let love <laughs> prevail. Be the one to take it. Amen? Praise God. We'll leave that go. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to those which Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples. Indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So it's truth that determines who we are, not our circumstances. It's truth that decides who I am, not what people say. It's truth, not circumstances, you see, that dictates to my behavior or my actions. Truth is what liberates. And you shall know the truth, and knowing the truth shall make you free. You know, people want counseling. What they need is truth. Did you hear that? What did Jesus say would liberate? The truth. So knowing the truth makes us free. Well, I've been trying to live a Christian life. That's, see, that's not the truth. You've already arrived. Is Christ in you? the hope of glory? Have you accepted him as your savior and Lord? Then he's in you and you've arrived. All you need to do is do what? Bring it forth. How do I do that? By faith. How do I do that? Acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. And when the lies start coming, you know those lies that enemy tells you? Like you're not good enough. You're not going to make it in through life and you're nobody and that sort of thing. And who would want you? And sometimes children are told by their parents you're never going to make it and you're going to amount to anything in life and so on and so forth. Those are lies coming from the wrong school that we've all been exposed to ever since we were born into this world. We think our feelings really are in control and they, we have to submit to what they say to us. 
We've never been taught that we have power over our feelings and emotions. Don't give your emotions the key to your tongue, to your mouth, so that you speak only how you feel. Because we walk by faith, not by feelings, not by sight, not by emotions. We don't walk by those. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be weaned from our emotions as a child is weaned from its mother. So our emotions are trying to tell us, you be angry, be jealous. Did they, did they speak bad about you? Get even. And they'll tell you, what do you think road rage is all about? What is it when you get behind the wheel of a car, your whole countenance changes? Do you know what I mean by that? I heard someone say one time, someone was trying to pass me up. I sped up. I didn't want them to pass me up. Why not? I don't know. I just don't like it. What happens when people get behind the wheel of a car? Something happens. What does it matter if they pass us up? Let them pass you up. I purpose in my heart to let everybody else in. Did you ever do that? Just let them go. I let them go. You know, the enemy will tell you, don't do that. And I let them, I do it twice then. Don't. Our feelings and emotions are not to control our lives. They don't define who we are. Circumstances don't define who we are. They don't decide who we are. We acknowledge every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. So in me dwells every good thing in Christ. So who I really am is who I am in Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And so therefore I start saying, no, I refuse to receive that hurt. I refuse to receive that guilt. I refuse to receive condemnation, and I refuse to give condemnation. I refuse to give unforgiveness. I refuse to give anything like strife or whatever. I choose to let Christ live in me. Listen to this. That's like the life of Riley. I'm just sitting back and letting Jesus live in me. People say, you let him walk all over you like that? No, no, I let Jesus live in me like that. So you know what? Let him get them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let him, when they pass me up, get him. Get him, Lord. <laughs> the point is, don't bow to our emotions. Don't bow to our feelings. They don't dictate who we are. Truth does. And when we let truth prevail, praise God, we'll change from glory to glory. We'll be weaned from our feelings and emotions. Same thing with sickness and disease. I mean, think about it. Our bodies are telling us one thing, but the word says something else. The word says, by straps you were healed. My body says, you don't look like it, buddy. You don't feel like it, buddy. And I got the doctor to agree with it, buddy. So what do you do? Either you succumb and submit to what your flesh is saying, or you say, I know what I feel like, but I'm going to express what I believe. And what I believe is that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pains and by stripes I was healed. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. So Lord, I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to look at you. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is our hope of glory. See, the goal of the gospel is to not to align our circumstances with our preferences. It's really the opposite it's to align us with who we are in Christ so that we can use our God-given authority to get our circumstances to line up with the Word of God. 
Christ is in every single one of us the hope of glory. We have the same Christ on the inside of us. The life of faith that we live in the flesh is to be lived by finding out who we are in Christ, what we have in Him, and start declaring it and proclaiming it even in the face of adverse feelings and emotions that would tell us something other than that. Some people think that I've got to be angry because my feelings are telling me that I'm angry. We're never going to grow if we don't say, well, you know what? I'm going to choose to walk in love in this situation regardless. Well, talk bad about that person. They've talked bad about you. I refuse to sow that in my life. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to sow love. I refuse to get in strife. I'm not going to be taken captive by Satan at his will. Really, what kind of a life is that anyhow? Walking around with your head down, angry, upset, chip on your shoulder, just want to knock somebody in the head everywhere you go and all that? Or are you going to walk with a spring in your step and just say, I found Praise God, new life in Jesus. It's he who lives in me, the hope of glory. And everywhere I go, I'm just going to allow him to live in me and through me and let his love flow as a mighty river through my life. I'll be honest with you. If we want healing power to flow, if we want the glory of God to flow, we have got to start living our lives this way. I see myself recreated in the image of the living God, crowned with the power of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of me and as far as I'm concerned I'm aligning myself with who I am in Christ and not what I feel like not what it looks like not what people say not what people dictate to me doesn't matter what anybody else there says what matters is what God says about me and I believe what he says to be true it's the knowledge of the truth that makes me free amen so in conclusion our lives are to be fashioned not by the things that are false but by the things that are true about us well what is truth his word is truth what did he say about us what does he say as far as who we are align yourself to that so we're not to let people places or things decide who we are or what we can do I don't know about you but I believe we should live our lives this way I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power and in him I live and in him I move and in him I have my being I'm a child of the most high God I have the nature of God in me the life of God in me the power of God in me and as far as I'm concerned, no matter what my feelings say, I know what he says. And he is perfecting what concerns me. So I refuse to get angry. I refuse to get upset. I refuse to live frustrated. I refuse to live in jealousy. I refuse to live coveting what somebody else has. Because you see, all those works of the flesh are crucified. But you don't know what I've been through and what's going on. Uh, really? We've all been down that road. All of us. It depends on how we see ourselves in Christ and how we walk. I'm not going to be run over by the devil, the world, or the flesh. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. And greater is he who's in us than he that is in the world. You ready for this? We thank God for the Jesus who's out there. And we worship the Jesus who is out there. But you know what he's saying? I'm in you. Look and see and let me live through you. And that's the highest form of worship we can give him. Anybody can, like I said, come here fighting like cats and dogs and stand there and lift up your hands and say hallelujah to the Lord. Right? Anybody can do that. But how many of us can, when we're challenged, let he who lives in us have preeminence over our lives, our words, our conduct, 
our character, etc. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Actually, you'll have a spring in your step and a smile on your face when you're challenged. Some of you, when you give, leave out here tonight, you go to where, wherever, you know, anytime you sow the seed of God's word, immediately comes the devil to steal it, right? So you're going to have an appointment with the enemy not too long from now to try to get under your skin and make you angry, covetous, make you jealous, upset, frustrated, etc., etc., etc. You know what you do? Respond by who you are in Christ. Respond by speaking the truth in love. And you know what? He'll, he'll go crazy on you. And then he won't know what to do. Because he's expecting you to do the wrong thing because you've always done it in the past. But this time you're going to do the right thing. And when you do, he's not going to know what to do. He's going to pull his hair out if he has any. Here's what he's going to do. Put the pressure on you to be jealous. Pressure on you to be angry. Shout and do whatever. Oh, not going to do it. Why? I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I'm abiding in divine. I'm going to let him take care of my situations, not me. Go ahead, Lord. Sick them. They're all yours. Let's stand together before the Lord. <laughs>